Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, I want to say thank you uh, for those of you that have been praying for our ministry. I believe that prayer is the hand that moves the hand of God. So if you want to see something happen, it starts with prayer. So for those of you that have been praying for our ministry, thank you. Maybe you're here this morning and you go, dude, I, I don't really know what first priority is. Well, you came on a great Sunday to learn um, because today, first priority Sunday, we have been growing the ministry of First Priority here in South Florida for 25 years. And Pastor Ray was actually part of that original group of people that helped start First Priority. First Priority is a pro-church ministry. It's not a parachurch ministry. It's a pro-church ministry. We cannot do what we do without the local church. And so uh, let me give you a little bit of that. First Priority exists, hear me, to bring the hope of Christ to every student. You see, you and I, if we have a right relationship with the Lord, we have the hope of Christ uh, inside of us that we want to give to as many students as possible. And the way that we do that is very simple. We believe that we want to connect the local church to reach a campus for Christ. And so this morning, I I want to give you a little bit about first priority. There's some uh, things that we have. If you go to the next slide for me... uh, Some statistics that I want to share with you when it comes to students in general today, right? Here here we go. Here's the first one. 90% of students do not know Christ on public school campuses. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's a high percentage. Yeah. In fact, according to the North American Mission Board, 90% or higher of a group of people that don't know Jesus is classified as an unreached people group. In fact, you don't have to go across the sea to another country, or you don't have to even go out of your own city to find an unreached people group. You can walk right to a local middle or high school here in South Florida, and they do not know Jesus. I can attest, I'm on the campus almost every week in some form or fashion, and uh, it is definitely a godless place, if I'm being honest. And that's why First Priority exists. Again, to bring the hope of Christ to those students. 41% of teens who do not already attend church say they would come if invited. In fact, we know that when it comes to adults, the statistics are, are very similar, that one in every four adults would come if invited. Maybe the reason that we don't have churches that are slam-packed and jammed full with people is because we, the church, have not necessarily been inviting people to come hear the greatest truth that could change their life. 46% of professing Christian Gen Z sayers say that church isn't relevant to them personally. Here, here, here's what I know. I know that this is the most relevant thing that there is when you apply it to your life. Maybe the reason that they think it's irrelevant is, is because they're not hearing it, because they don't understand the truth of God's word. 33% of high schoolers deal with mental health issues, and one in six youth reported making a suicide plan in 2019, and the number is growing. In fact, that statistic has changed. In 2023, it's one out of every three students has put together a suicide. Hey, listen. This is a hopeless generation without Christ. But by the way, you and I are hopeless without Christ. Right? Like, listen, there was a point in your life where you hopefully came to the realization of your need for a Savior. 
And so too are our public schools. They need to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You already read the verse Kristen came up and, and read. Here's what first priority we love, right? That, that the truth is, is how can they hear if there's no one who's willing to engage? If there's no one that's willing to proclaim the gospel. Now listen, I, I believe the word of God. I'm going off script a little bit here, Pastor Ray. Romans 1, right? We, we, know, we can know that there is a God but oh, that we would have a heart to proclaim the gospel to people who need to know the truth of his word. The next slide is that verse of Romans chapter 10. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? I've served in the local church for a little over 20 years when I started serving at a church that actually Pastor Ray had been a part of a long time ago, I was a youth pastor. I'll never forget this night. A 16-year-old boy walked into our youth ministry that night. He had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember saying to my wife, how is it possible that you live in the United States of America we have the freedoms that we have, and at the age of 16, had never heard the simple gospel message. Because maybe we keep it to ourselves. Because maybe we go, hey, I'm good with Jesus. Hey, listen, the goal of Christ was simple. In Luke chapter 19, we read it, right? Jesus came to what? To seek and to save the lost. By the way, that's why you've been given the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. In order to make a disciple, they got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, first priority exists, hear me, to bring the hope of Christ to every student. If you go to the next slide, first priority, our vision is simple. It's connecting the church to reach every student on every campus in South Florida. We want to have a first priority club on as many school campuses as possible. And the mission, again, to take the hope of Christ to every student. And our core values, we're very, very specific in our core values and what we do. Number one, we're gospel-focused. We don't stray from that. If you know our executive director, Chris Lane, we get asked to do a lot of things with first priority. Hey, can we do this in the club? Can we do this in the club? No, 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 no. We're gospel focused. We train and equip students to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to reach their friends with the gospel. That's what we do. We do it every month for nine months. We don't veer off of that at all. We're very gospel focused. We're student-led. Uh, by law, our clubs are supposed to be student-led. Now, I can tell you that we have mentors, local youth pastors, uh, people from your church, Kristen, who is willing to engage on a local campus, hear me, that we may run the club for a period of time, but the goal is to train and equip students that they, the next generation, would begin proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, we're local church engaged. Again, I've already said it, we're a pro-church ministry, not a parachurch ministry. We believe in the local church. Um, I could tell you countless stories of youth pastors here locally in South Florida that have started with one or two kids in their youth group. Their church is nowhere near the size of your church, and their whole goal was, hey, I want to begin to connect students from the local campus onto my church campus. And they're growing their student ministry simply by inviting kids back to their 
their church campus. We are 100% local church engaged. First priority, we're not a church. Yes, we're a church in that we're the part of the capital C church, but, but we're not a church. And so we need the local church, like Plantation Community, that's been willing for years, not just to help support financially, but been willing to engage on public school campuses to reach the next generation for Christ. Yeah, I, I grew up here in South Florida. My, my youth pastor is now my boss, Chris Lane, who's the executive director of First Priority. He was my youth pastor. He used to make this statement as a youth pastor. He used to say, every year we're one generation away from losing the gospel forever. If we don't tell the next generation, who will? Here's what I know. I'm a product of people who were willing to tell me the truth of the gospel. 94% of people who come to know Christ do so before the age of 18. Unless you're part of that 6% as there was people in the early service. But most people come to know Christ before the age of 18. Probably you. So what are we doing to engage that group? What are we doing to, to if, if I know that 94% of people come to know Christ before the age of 18, shouldn't then we be going to the 18 and under to reach them so that we can raise up another generation? One of the worst verses in the Bible, is that, is that even allowed to say that? Is that there grew up a generation who knew not the Lord. I pray that that would never happen under our watch. Right, that there would always be men and women who would be willing to proclaim the truth of the gospel. So first priority functions with two different branches of first priority. If you go to the next slide, first priority for 25 years has engaged in middle and high school clubs. Pastor Ray was one of the first founding four, so to say, of youth pastors here in South Florida that had a heartbeat to reach the campus. But for 25 years, we've been doing middle and high school and just a, a, a couple of years ago, God opened the door for us to launch another version of First Priority that we call Game Day. Game Day is our third through fifth grade elementary school clubs. In, in fact, right now in Broward County, um, we have 25 elementary schools that are up and running, running Game Day clubs, which is incredible. So if you think of First Priority, for years it was always middle and high school. Right now in Broward County alone, we have 90 epic clubs running on middle and high school campuses here just in Broward. So you add those two together, 115 clubs, uh, both elementary and game day, or, or epic, I'm sorry, here in Broward County. Which then leads us to what is God doing, not just in Broward County, but first priority extends up the east coast of South Florida. On my next slide, we actually right now extend from the Keys all the way up to Space Coast. We have 292 public campuses that we are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ every week. Of that, just in this year alone, 2023, we've seen 3,127 students say yes to Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Now... Here's what I love. I was, a, again, a local youth pastor for 20 years. I know what you're thinking. Man, you look really good to be that young. I know. No, I'm just kidding. But my heartbeat is the local church. Of the 3,100 students that have surrendered their life to Christ, hear me, 474 have connected to a local church. That's incredible. Here's why. Yes. 
because they're going to grow in their faith in the local church because first priority is not a church. In other words, they're not going to learn David and Goliath at first priority. They're not going to learn Daniel and the lions then, right? They're not going to learn of the Holy Spirit and Acts, right? Who came as our helper. They're not going to, but they are going to learn that in a local church, Lord willing. And so first priority, again, we, we believe in the local church. So that's first priority. So if you're at all interested on, the, on your way out, I'll be out at a table. I have information. We would love for you to connect with us. You may say, hey, how can I help? Well, I'll tell you this. You're already doing it, right? Your church supports our ministry. But, but more than that, you could, again, continue to pray. Continue to pray that God would raise up new churches, that God would raise up new men and women who would be willing to answer the call to proclaim the gospel to the next generation. And who knows, maybe you would be willing to go on an elementary school campus and proclaim the gospel. Well, that being said this morning, I I do want to open God's word with you, uh, if that's okay. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. 15. We're going to read through uh, several verses here. This morning, the need. The need? Yeah, all of us have need in life, if you think about it. In fact, in different capacities, in different ways, all of us have need. For instance, if you're cooking, well, you need groceries. You need food to cook right? If you're a mechanic, get where I'm going. If you're a mechanic, you need tools. You need parts. If you're a painter, you need brushes and rollers and drop cloths and tape and all kinds of things. When you were a student, you needed paper and pen until recently. Now you need a a, a laptop or computer or something of that sort. Honestly, in almost every area of life, you have need. In fact, just to drive, you need, you need money to pay for the high gas prices. You need money to pay for the electricity if you have a, an electric car. In life, as humans, we have need. Need for food, need for clothes, for water, for shelter, for health. We're a people of need. And the truth is, is when it comes to reaching the lost... Reaching people who don't know Jesus as their Savior, there are several needs that will help us in reaching people for Christ. And so this morning, three needs to help us reach people for Christ. And before we just dive into that, would you join me as I pray this morning? Father, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. God, that you would step out of heaven. God, that you would come down to this earth in the form of your son, Jesus God, you would live a perfect, sinless life and pay a debt that, Lord, you didn't deserve to pay, all because you loved me. God, that while I was a sinner, you would die for me. God, I thank you for your unconditional love. Lord, this morning we continue to invite your Holy Spirit into this place. God, that you would fill our hearts and our lives this morning. God, would you remove me? And God, would you speak through your word that does not return void and will give you the praise and glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. 
Amen. Luke's Gospel, the 15th chapter. We're going to read uh, the first 10 uh, verses out of this. If you have a Bible, that's great. If not, I believe there's one in the pew. And if not, it'll be on the screen. Whatever way you'd like to follow along, here we go. It's Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners to eat with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and say, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen? So so here's the deal. Right? Like, if Jesus is the standard, right? If Jesus is the line of excellence, shouldn't we do our best to live up to that standard. Jesus gives us two parables here of people who are willing to engage and seek out the lost. The lost, yeah, those that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we'll use to define our churchy term this morning, the lost. So this morning, three things that will help us reach the lost if we're really going to try to engage if we really believe in reaching not just the next generation, but reaching, man, our neighbor. In reaching people who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus. Three things that I believe that will help us do that this morning. The first one that we need in order to reach the lost is to have compassion. To have compassion. To have a heartbeat for the lost. Look at the setting here in Luke chapter 15. Go back with me. Go back in verse 1. It says what? At the very beginning. Now tax collectors and who? Tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. What's the setting? Well, the setting that's actually taking place is Jesus is being surrounded by the lost. Here's what I love about this situation. These lost people, they're not running from Jesus, but rather they're running to Jesus. They're not avoiding him, they're not ignoring him, or they're not even hostile towards him. Why were these sinners so eager to surround themselves around Jesus? Why were they so eager to hear what he has to say? Here's what I know. It wasn't because Jesus had an easy message. It wasn't a prosperity gospel that he was proclaiming. It wasn't because he wouldn't, it wasn't because he would compromise in any way their issues of sin. But here's what I do know. 
that he never, he never condemns them, but rather he proclaims. These people, they, they're there. They're the outcasts, the evil, the lost, and they've gathered around Jesus. Here's why. Because I believe that he's had compassion. He's loving on them. And he's going to show them the love and compassion rather than, again, condemning them. Look at what it says in verse 2. It says, uh, verse 2, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I love this. The word welcome is translated several different ways. And one of the ways that it's translated, the definition says this. Welcome here translates to received as friends. It's like Jesus is willing to receive the lost as his own personal friends. Now here's what I know. That I'm more apt to help out people that I know. I'm more willing to serve my friends than I am people that I don't know, right? Like when was the last time you invited a homeless person into your home for dinner? You didn't. You probably have never done that. But you've probably called a good friend over for dinner, right? It's this idea that Jesus... He's seeing the lost. He sees the crowd. Hear me. And he has compassion on them. Again, I've already mentioned it, but it's Luke 19 that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He's called you and I to do the same thing. He's given us and he's equipped us with the power of the Holy Spirit to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we've been called to do. By the way, it's interesting, like these people, they sought out Jesus, and it's a little different today, isn't it? Like these people aren't really like showing up here, or my church, like, no, 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 we've been called to go out, to go, to not sit, sit, to soak, and to sour, but rather to go proclaim the truth of God's word, that everybody has a need for a savior, and it's Jesus and Jesus alone. You see, if we're going to reach the lost, we've got to have a heartbeat the same as Jesus. Our heart needs to break for the things that God's heart breaks for. And I truly believe that God's heart breaks for sinners, of which I am the chief, Paul said. Right? Man, does your heart break for the lost? When was the last time you prayed, God, break my heart for people who don't know you? Number one. We've got to have a heart. We've got to have compassion if we're going to reach the lost. Number two, the second thing, in order to reach the lost, it's going to take effort. It's going to take some effort. Several years ago, my wife and I, um, we are a foster family. We're a foster family for four kids of South Florida. Don't know if you know this, but in Broward County, seven kids a day go into foster care. It's heartbreaking. I got a picture of my family. This is my family right here. We have four biological children, four foster, now adoptive children. So my wife, her name's Elizabeth. We've been married this July, will be 20 years. This is my son Landon's graduation. He's the redhead in the middle, the tallest one. He just graduated senior from Calvary Christian Academy. I got my daughter, Kiara, all the way over to the left. She's a junior, now will be a senior this year, uh, coming year. Next to her is my daughter, Malia. 
Um, <laughs> Malia is going to be a freshman in high school this coming year, just graduated eighth grade. And then Caden, uh, in the middle there, he is going to be a seventh grader. So those are our four biological children. And then God gave us four foster children. The first one is Nakia. She's standing right next to me. Nakia has a crazy story here in Broward County. Won't go into a whole lot of details, but I'll tell you this. She was walking at the age of three down Broward Boulevard in 441. She walked into the corner of a, on the corner of Broward Boulevard in 441, there's a Dunkin' Donuts. Don't know if you know where that is, but at the age of three, she walked into that Dunkin' Donuts. Inside, not trying to be funny, inside that Dunkin' Donuts sat three police officers. They saw that little girl walk in. They thought to themselves, surely a mom, a dad, a brother, sister, an aunt, an uncle, cousin, nephew, a babysitter, somebody's going to walk in. They never did. Nakia grabbed one of the police officers by the hand, walked out of the Dunkin' Donuts, headed east on Broward Boulevard, made a left on 441, heading north three blocks. There's a motel where her mom laid overdosed on a bed. That's the beginning of her story. Now, I, why do I say that? Because... The story I'm about to tell you, you need to understand the context. So there's Nakia in our home as a foster child. Then all the way to the left is a little boy named Tobias. I don't know if you can see the big smile on his face, but Tobias has severe autism. Tobias cannot talk. In fact, he's my favorite child because he never talks back. <laughs> Love Tobias. Tobias communicates with small sign language and some special devices that we have. Then we have next to Tobias is Christopher. He's our youngest, Christopher Seven. He's actually Nakia's biological brother. And so he's in our house. Uh, he's going to be a giant because at the age of seven, he's already way too tall. And then you have the kid in the middle, and that's Brandon. Brandon is our crazy, outgoing, rambunctious, trash talker. That's Brandon. Brandon could play basketball against you. You could dunk on his head and he'll still talk trash. That's just who he is. But we're foster parents. Watch this. And as foster parents, four kids of South Florida, as well as the state, they send people to your house to check in on the kids from time to time. So on this particular day, four kids representative, our advocate comes to our house and they're checking on us and they're like, hey, how are the kids? And we're like, man, they're great. Everything's awesome. They're like, great. Can we see them? Sure. Come on in. Come inside. Here's Nakia. Nakia says hello. Here's all my biological children. They say hello. Tobias, he doesn't say hello. Chris, hey, all of a sudden, hey, where's Brandon. We can't find Brandon. Now, just for the record, if you're a foster family and they come to look for the kids and you don't have them, you're not doing well. You know what I mean? Like, that's like a major strike against you, okay? But the truth is, is we can't find Brandon. Now, at the beginning, in our minds, we go, well, obviously he's here. Let, let's, let's start looking. So we start looking. We go into the bedrooms. We search our mansion of a 1,200-square-foot house that we have. It's just spreading huge. And... We look under every, we can't find him anywhere. We're calling his name, Brandon, hey, where, what in the world? And then one of my kids says, hey, I think somebody left the front door open. To which then as a parent, you know, you get that like feeling, that like gut. So we, we start scouring the neighborhood. We're checking our neighbor's yards. We're knocking on doors. Hey, have you seen Brandon? We are searching vigorously with all of our effort, with all of our energy. Why? Because Brandon is missing. 
Now, praise God, Brandon was found. He was hiding behind the curtains, behind our couch. I won't tell you why he was hiding, but he was hiding and we found him. Now, here's the deal. Never once while we were looking for Brandon did we make the statement, ah, don't worry about it, we got seven more. Like, we never said that. Why? Because his life is important, it's valuable. So we searched with everything that we had. Hey, listen, if we want to reach the lost watch, it's going to take effort. It's going to take effort. It's going to take us actually getting sweaty and dirty for the cause of Christ. We can't just sit back and go, ah, it's no big deal. No, 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 no. Listen, 10 out of 10 people die. And eternity's really, really long, and they need Jesus. You see, if we're going to reach the lost, hear me, it's going to take effort. What did we read? The shepherd, he leaves the 99 in the open country, watch, to go search for the one. And now, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of going to Israel. I've been there. It's unbelievable. But here's what I know. There are lots of places for sheep that are really dumb animals to hide, even in the open country. There are crevices. There are bold. It is crazy. The shepherd, he searches diligently until he finds it. But then watch. When he finds it, what does he do? He picks it up and throws it on his shoulders. Now, My son Christopher, he's seven, and he's maybe 65 pounds soaking wet. I still don't put him on my shoulders and walk around. Why? Because that's hard work, right? Hey, hear me. (laughs) The shepherd is willing to do whatever it takes to find the lost sheep. What about you? What about me? Are we willing to do whatever it takes? The the woman who loses the coin, what does she do? She lights a lamp. She begins to clean her whole house until she can find the lost coin. She doesn't go, well, I got nine more. Let's not worry about it. No, 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 no. That one coin is valuable. That sheep is valuable. And I tell you, every lost soul is valuable. Oh, that we would have a heartbeat that beats like God's to reach the lost. Here's what I know. We've got to have a heart of compassion if we're going to reach the lost. It's going to take effort on our part to reach the lost. You may have to engage in some conversations that may be tough. And you might go, dude, I don't have all the answers. But here's what I do know. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. Man, you've got to be willing to give some effort if we're going to reach the lost. And then last but not least, the third point. If we're going to reach the lost, hear me, we've got to be persistent. You can't just go, well, I tried once. Well, my neighbor kicked me out. They don't want to hear anything I have to say. Okay, well, then let's start praying for the neighbor so that God would open another door for you. You got to be persistent. Here's what I know is we're looking for Brandon in our home. We didn't just look in his bedroom and then go, well, that's it. Can't find him. Guess he's gone for good. Maybe would have liked. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, no, no. You got to be persistent. You got to be diligent. 
You've got to be willing to fight the good fight. And here's what I know. Fighting takes work. It's hard. It is not easy by any means. By the way, this thing called Christianity, it takes work in my relationship with God. And so too for you. So you've got to be persistent, willing. Quick question. I, I don't know when the last person I ever heard was like, man, I can't wait to go home and clean my house. Nobody says that, Right? But she did it because something she valued, she needed to find. Are you willing to, in essence, walk into your neighbor's house, the grocery store, wherever, and be persistent to proclaim the goodness and the faithfulness of God? Amen? Amen. Hey, let me close by this. First priority We have the privilege, we get to proclaim the gospel on public school campuses. What about you? Where do you get to proclaim the gospel? Where do you get to tell somebody of the unconditional love of God? Where do you get to tell somebody of the death, burial, and resurrection of your Savior? Here's what I know, if you're a Christ follower... Man, you get to do it today when you leave this place with somebody. God, I love you. I thank you for this incredible opportunity to be here at Plantation Community Church. God, thank you for their leadership. Thank you for their partnership for so many years. Thank you for the men and women that are in this room today. God, I pray that you would give them a desire, Lord, that their desire would be to reach the lost. God, would we have an attitude much like Isaiah and be able to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.